in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, good afternoon. Right now it is 106, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. I also want to uh, say congratulations to Pee Wee Payette, 55 years at K's. They celebrated him uh, yesterday. I apologize. My initial plan was to attend that. And then I was uh, just with everything that has happened, I was unable to. But folks, whether it's Keys or the Lodge, stop in and see them. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. All right, I want to get to um, some of the news of the day. And in regards to, you know, the situation with, with President Trump, I, I'm going to repeat what I have said. That I rec- there are some people <laughs> that feel that none of it should be talked about. None of it should be talked to. Don't talk about any of it. Don't talk. You shouldn't even. Well, listen, they're talking about it. And they're trying to get out there to the media. Um, I also want to just kind of remind people that you have to be cautious on where you get your sources of information. Um. I had someone that sent me a uh, an article. It's it's of a I, I'm going to say it's a less than credible source of news. PJMedia.com bombshell FBI unit responsible for raid also behind RussiaGate hoax. If you thought details of the raid on Mar-a-Lago couldn't get any shady, you were wrong. Um, I, I, this was sent to me. It's, you know, I actually want to go through it because I, I, at this point, I feel bad that people actually believe this FBI unit responsible for raid also behind Russiagate hoax. Okay. Let's see where this is. Um, I've never heard of this person, Matt Margolis. Let me see, first of all, uh, media people, unless they were peddling conspiracy theories that have not been proven, are generally on Twitter. So let me first, uh, is this him? No. That's not him. Um, I don't think that's him. G-O-L-I-S. Matt Margolis. Hmm. So, I don't, again, it's, it, oh, maybe it is the same guy. I can't tell. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have this. I mean, I'm seeing someone, head of community at Law Trades, parody sometimes, host of Not Billable Pod. I don't think he's the writer on the article. All right, let me go to PJ Media. See, folks, this is, here's what I want. And I, I'm not trying to criticize the person that sent this to me, but, you know, you have to wonder. All right, PJ Media. Okay, there they are on Twitter. Conservative commentary analysis. Columnists, writers, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's some articles in here that are accurate that I see, and they have some commentary You know, and definitely positive. I don't see it 
this article, I don't see this listed, but okay. So PJ Media, I, I'm not that familiar with a lot of their, I'm not following them. Uh, that doesn't mean anything, as a matter of fact, but let me just go through, because the person took the time to send it to me. Looks like he was right. The FBI division overseeing the investigation just so happens to be the focus of Special Counsel John Durham's investigation of FBI abuses during the Russiagate probe. The FBI's nine-hour 30-agent raid, part of a counterintelligent case run out of Washington, not Miami. According to FBI case document sources, within with knowledge of the matter, reports the Epic Times. Now, I don't consider the Epic Times to be reliable. Uh, the Bureau's counter to, so they're basing their story off of something in the Epic Times. Counterintelligence Division, investigation of Trump codename Crossfire Hurricane. Peter Strauss, who led Crossfire Hurricane, fired, no longer there. He told FBI officials Lisa Page, blah, blah, blah. We know about that. Um, it's a disgrace that Auden is still even employed by the Bureau, said 27-year-old FBI veteran Michael Bayasol. He would substitute other aliens and agents. So I'm going through this, and I, oh, okay. Here where they mention supervisory intelligent analyst Brian Auden, A-U-T-E-N, continue to be involved. Key members of the Crossfire team. I have no idea if that is true. Sources also told real clear investigations. That's another one. I've never heard of them. That the top counterintelligence officer has been coordinating the Mar-a-Lago raid is a Democrat National Committee donor named Jay Bratt. Well, Jay Bratt is high level. Uh, that his name is quoted places. He, he may have donated. I don't know if that totally makes him okay. Well, forget about that. Brad traveled to Mar-a-Lago in early June, personally inspected the storage facility, personally interacted with Trump, one of his lawyers. Trump allowed the three agents Brad brought with him to open boxes, storage room, look through them. Epic Times reports again. So this PJ Media, it's all from Epic Times, who I don't find to be credible in any way. I don't. They left with some documents. After leaving, Brad made a request to Trump's lawyer for increased security at the facility and asked to see surveillance footage from the security cameras. The lawyers complied with the request. Then months later, the FBI decided to raid Mar-a-Lago. And then they then go into this anti-Trump magistrate, Judge Bruce Reinhardt. Now, what they, and then they write PJ Media. It's all starting to make sense now, isn't it? Anti-Trumpers in the Bureau are still up to little tricks. Well, what they failed to mention in this story of PJ, and that's it. <laughs> um, what they failed to mention here, Mark Margolis is the author of Airborne, how the liberal media weaponized the virus against Donald Trump. Best-selling book, worst president in history, Barack Obama. Um, what, they, what he fails to mention here is that, that his, President Trump's attorney, Christina Bobbitt, signed a document saying there were no more, there were no no other, um, that there were no other classified documents there. And that, you know, clearly is not the case. So I think, um, you know, that that's not a small, that's not a small thing to, to omit because that seems to be a big focal point here. Now, I understand right now at 115, I understand we have a number of people and you're listing right now. You think nothing is believable. You think that if there's someone out there that is putting out something that tells a different narrative than what we're learning, then you're fine with that. But I also just stumbled into Rhode Island voter access pandemic change made permanent. Yeah, and it's a disgrace. Yeah, and the early voting embraced by Rhode Islanders. Early voting changes. 
They become permanent. Yeah, not for the better. A proof of identification. Voters in Rhode Island are asked to provide a valid photo ID. But if a voter does not have a photo ID, they're not turned away. They can vote emergency ballot. Isn't that reassuring? Rhode Island first state to give former felons voting rights. Yeah, because that's so important. Rhode Island's vote by mail, simple, excuse-free. See, the journal is also in on this, as a matter of fact. You don't have to explain why. (laughs) Common sense. I don't agree with any of this. Election day should be election day. The photo ID thing at the polls doesn't mean anything. Yep, and here goes the journal again. Has voter ID, has voter fraud been found in Rhode Island? While accusations of voter fraud become the topic, Rhode Island is non-existent. Gee, how is that possible? Since 2018, they've conducted only 21 voter fraud investigations, just four of which refer to the Attorney General's office. They don't look for it. Wrong. All right. I want to get to, it's important. This New York Times story, and what I want to mention is, If someone wants to say, oh, they're just fake news. Well, they have four reporters on this. They have four senior reporters on this. Um, The initial batch of documents retrieved in January included more than 150 marked as classified. So that was in January. Classified, a number that... ignited intense concern at the Justice Department and helped trigger the criminal investigation to recover more. In total, the government has recovered 300 documents with classified markings from Mr. Trump, President, since he left office. The first batch returned in January. Another set provided by Trump's aides in June. And then the material seized by the FBI in the search this month. The previously unreported volume of the sensitive material found in his possession helps explain why the Justice Department moved so urgently to hunt down any further classified materials he might have. And the extent to which such a large number of highly sensitive documents remained at Mar-a-Lago for months, even as the department sought the return of all material, should have been left in government custody and left office, suggest the former president or his aides had been cavalier in handling it, not fully forthcoming with investigators or both. Neither one is good. So they're either a little too nonchalant in the handling of it or they weren't forthcoming about it. So the specific nature of the sensitive material Mr. President Trump took from the White House remains unclear. Fifteen boxes. But the 15 boxes he turned over in January, nearly a year after he left office, included documents from the CIA, National Security Agency, and the FBI, spanning a variety of topics of national security interest. President Trump went through the boxes himself in late 2021 before turning them over. The highly sensitive nature of some of the materials in the boxes prompted archive officials to refer the matter to the Justice Department, which within months had convened a grand jury investigation. Aides to President Trump turned over a few dozen additional sensitive documents during a visit to Mar-a-Lago by Justice Department officials in early June. At the conclusion of the search this month, officials left with 26 boxes including 11 sets of material marked as classified, scores of additional documents. One set had the highest level of classification, top secret, sensitive, compartmented information. The Justice Department investigation is continuing. Listen to this, suggesting the officials, they're not certain whether they've recovered all the records that he took with them from the White House. Even after the extraordinary decision by the FBI to execute a search warrant, investigators have sought additional surveillance footage from the club, 
It was the second such demand of the club's security tapes. Some people familiar with the matter underscored the authorities are still scrutinizing how the classified documents were handled by President Trump and his staff before the search. Spokesman for Mr. Trump did not respond to requests, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Trump allies insist that the president, quote, had a standing order to declassify material that left the Oval Office for the White House residents and have claimed that the General Service Administration, not his staff, packed the boxes with the documents. No documentation has come to light confirming he declassified the material. The potential crime cited by the Justice Department seeking the search warrant would not hinge on the classification status of the documents. I, I think that means there may not be criminal charges here, but they wanted the documents back. National Archives officials spent much of 2021 trying to get back material from President Trump after learning the roughly two dozen boxes President presidential record material had been lingering in the White House residence for several months. Under the Presidential Records Act, all official material remains government property and has to be provided to the archives at the end of a presidential term. Among the items they were missing were President Trump's original letters from North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un in the note that President Obama had left President Trump for left office. Now those to me sound like more mementos and I don't know if this is a battle over who gets the original or who gets a replica. I mean that sounds like museum material potentially. Two former White House officials been designated as among his representatives of the archives received calls and tried to facilitate the documents returned. Mr. President Trump resisted those calls <laughs> describing the boxes of their mind according to Three advisors familiar with the comments. Soon after beginning their investigation earlier this year, Justice Department officials came to believe there were additional classified documents they needed to collect. In May, after conducting a series of witness interviews, the department issued a subpoena for the return of remaining classified material. On June 3rd, Jay Bratt, chief of the counter- espionage section of the National Security Division of the Justice Department went to Mar-a-Lago to meet with two of Mr. President Trump's lawyers, Evan Cochran and Christina Bob, and retrieve any remaining classified material to satisfy the subpoena. Mr. Cochran went through the boxes himself to identify classified material beforehand, according to people, two people familiar with this effort. Cochran showed Mr. Bratt the basement storage room. We said the remaining material had been kept. President Trump briefly came to see the investigators during the visit. Bratt and his agents who joined him were given a sheaf of classified material, according to two people familiar with the meeting. Cochran then drafted a statement, which Christina Bob said to be the custodian of the documents a.k.a. fall person, signed, it's asserted, to the best of her knowledge, all classified material that was there had been returned. See, this is where she's in trouble, and I think they are in trouble. According to two people familiar with the statement, Corcoran did not respond to repeated requests for comment. Bob did not respond. She just goes on the Laura Ingram show, and Laura schools her as to what she should be doing. Soon after that visit, investigators were interviewing several people in his circle about the documents. Could be Secret Service. Came to believe there were other presidential records that had not been turned over. June 22nd, the Justice Department subpoenaed the Trump Organization for Mar-a-Lago security footage which included a well-tracked hallway outside the storage area. The club had surveillance footage going back 60 days for some areas of the property, stretching back to late April of this year. While much of the footage showed hours of club employees walking through the busy corridors, some of it raised concern for investigators, including people familiar with the matter, revealed people moving boxes in and out, and in some cases appearing to change the containers some documents were held in. 
Footage also showed other parts of the property. Hmm. In seeking a second round of security footage, the Justice Department wants to review tapes for the weeks leading up to the search. Federal officials have indicated their initial goal has been to secure any classified documents President Trump was holding at Mar-a-Lago, where there's little control over who comes in as guests, pay for membership club. It remains to be seen whether anyone will face criminal charges stemming from the investigation. The combination of witness interviews and the initial security footage led Justice Department officials to begin drafting a search request for a search warrant. The FBI agents who conducted the search found the additional documents in the storage area in the basement of Mar-a-Lago, as well in a container in a closet in President Trump's office. Mr. Trump's allies have attacked the law enforcement agency, according to the investigators, of being partisan. The intense public interest has spurred a legal fight to see how the search warrant's underlying affidavit on Monday... The federal magistrate issued a formal order directing the Justice Department to send him under seal proposed redactions to the affidavit underlying the warrant search used to search Mar-a-Lago. In that order, the judge said he was inclined to release portions of the sealed affidavit and wanted to wait till he saw the government redactions for making a decision. All right, let's go to some sound. Now, listen, that is a well-written article. I know some people could say, well... What about, you know, this one is silent and this one is silent and blah, blah, blah. But uh, that, I, uh, I, I don't know about that. I think that is, um, I'm going to say this. They, people may not like Maggie Haberman. Um, I um I I I'm gonna I don't think they're printing that um if I don't think they're printing that if they don't feel very very confident about it if they don't um if they don't feel that they really have. inside on this track I don't think so um, and I know some people don't want to hear that but I want to I'm going to play some sound there's a lot going on here you know that that also that whole business of hmm that whole business of that threat that he kind of made to Merrick Garland, I don't think that's well served. I don't think that that is well served. I think, um, I I don't understand a lot of the actions that are being uh, taken here mm-hmm. by as someone that you know, like like all of you, I was, you know, we had Paul Manafort on last week. I, we. Obviously, I think the the world of Peter and was excited about a potential 2024 run. But I, there are certain people surrounding the president that I'm a little uncomfortable with. That Cash Patel is a clown. But let me let me just hear this former FBI general counsel why it's. Um, why these documents are problematic. I want to hear this. From an FBI point of view and a legal Listen point of view, both of which you have, uh, what do you make of these, the revelation in the Times that 300 classified documents were found at Mar-a-Lago? So yesterday was a big news day because you had the New York Times reporting. You also had um, John Solomon issuing a letter from the archives in May uh, that um, was also quite damning. And you had um, former President Trump's filing for a special master. So there was a, a lot of news. None of it was uh, good for the president. The, the New York Times reporting I found most interesting because of one particular sentence, which is that several sources said that when um, the archives were trying to re- get the documents back, that it was the former president, Donald Trump, who personally reviewed the boxes 
in deciding what to return. And that means he also decided what not to return. And we know from the archives, not just from the New York Times, that in those 15 boxes were substantial number of classified documents at the highest level. That is TSSCI, which is the, you know, compartmented programs, special access programs. Um, they constituted, just within the 15 boxes, 700 pages of classified documents. So um, that is incredibly damning. If you're a prosecutor, you really look for evidence of what the former president did personally, and if the DOJ either knows about or is soon to, to interview those people who were sources for the New York Times, um, they're going to have a substantial criminal case. So, Tracy, the timeline goes something like, you know, you've got the National Archives saying, hey, guys, Trump officials, Trump aides, you forgot to leave us under the Presidential Records Act, all the documents from the White House, where are they? Finally, in January, some of them are turned over, 150 or so, according to the Times. And as they start to go through these documents, they say, my God, a lot of this is classified information, so they refer it to the Justice Department. As a former FBI and CIA agent, when you hear there are 300 classified documents stashed away at a country club in South Florida, what do you hear? You know, I think that the bottom line is something that really hasn't been talked about a lot is when classified information is mishandled on that scale, that large of a scale, people die. We, we forget about our sources and methods and assets and military and all of the things that those classifications really work to protect. And when I'm hearing that there's 300 documents and things like Andrew was mentioning that Trump went through personally and chose not to give back, um, you know, we're really forgetting that there, there's lives behind this, this information. Andrew, just to pick up on a conversation we were having earlier in the program um, with Chuck Rosenberg, if the Justice Department can't prove that Donald Trump was intending to do something nefarious for his own benefit with these classified documents, could he still nonetheless be in some kind of legal jeopardy? And if so, what? Yeah, so the answer to that is legally it's irrelevant that he was not uh, or found or proved to actually have disseminated the documents to a third party. Um, that is, the, the government doesn't have to wait until um, there's even more harm to our national security that these documents are given to um, foreign adversaries, for instance. Um, all of the criminal statutes that were cited by the government in the search warrant, and by the way, there are more, and the government is not limited to just relying on those statutes, don't require that the government prove that there was actual dissemination. Although I do think in this case, they would be able to um, because dissemination could be to any third party. That could include um, counsel, the people transporting the boxes. All of these people, by the way, we know um, did not have authority. We're not cl um, cleared to get classified documents. Um, and that we know from the archives in their back and forth with the Trump counsel. Um, they pointedly say, we're happy to share with you and have you review unclassified documents because you don't have clearance to see anything else. So I don't think that's a, any sort of speed bump for uh, the government in deciding whether to bring a criminal case. Mike, we've had two weeks now of excuses and explanations for why these documents ended up at Mar-a-Lago, but the bottom line is there is no good or legal explanation for snatching 300 classified documents and putting them in your basement. No, and there's especially, it's even more dangerous when you... All right, I'm not going to listen to him. President has apparently so, on the record said, well, the... I, this, um, again, this is out there, and that, I'll also say, folks, and again, good afternoon at, at 1.35. I'm, I'm also, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of John Solomon. Um, this, um, this doesn't sound good. not sound this does not sound positive uh in any way as a matter of fact and i know that his attorneys keep going on with lauren grim
I don't know if people fully understand that Laura Ingram has a very respectable um, credible uh, law background. So but this the, the, the legal team that, that sounds like the letter released by John Solomon could could get um, could end up getting President Trump in somehow maybe in more trouble as opposed to trying to get him out of trouble. Um, folks, you, you can we can we can always come back from uh, they're out to get him. That's you know definitely the people who don't want to run him again. Um, I'm reading confusing to assess how this letter helps President Trump, which whoever gave it to Solomon seemed to think it would. It confirms reporting highly restricted information was part of what was returned at Mar-a-Lago. I I don't I'm not a fan of John Solomon. I don't, I don't know how he became the kind of the um, the go-to guy for the president on this. I don't understand. Um, I don't think I don't think he's got the A-team on the field here. I don't know where the A-team is. I think he needs the A-team. I'll, I'll play that um, one of the attorneys was on with Bannon the other day. Keep in mind, you know, Bannon Bannon's really not he doesn't seem to be mixed up on this. They they seem to be contradicting themselves. I'll say that. He definitely seems to be somewhat contradicting themselves as to you know why various things are are being done. So I want to play um folks and again good afternoon at at 138, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. So they're posting now the letter, full made letter, from President Trump's attorney. Um, I don't... I, I agree that at this point, they still seem to be stuck on, like, trying to do a... They seem to be stuck on trying to do a PR battle when instead they're dealing with a... A legal situation here. So and sometimes they don't go hand in hand. Um, and I, I get that his, you know, his sons are out. That guy, Pash could tell, I mean, that, this guy. <laughs> Why he is out doing interviews is just beyond me. I don't believe anything that that guy is saying. I know he had a high level position. I'm aware of that, but um, the situation with President Trump in the raid, if I want to be objective, which I do, I I don't see that the situation seems to be getting better. The situation in their explanation on things seems to be getting worse. And I think part of that is President Trump got more than 700 pages of classified documents. I mean, that's, that's not a few mementos. Documents recovered in Mar-a-Lago among a government's most classified. Folks, like, let's Let's be honest. I mean, this, you can't, you can't have this type of stuff. Um, We go to, we have some more sound though. Arkansas Governor uh, Asia Asia Hutchinson on the search. Um, But this will also be week three that the president is not speaking out and doing interviews. Let me hear this. Hold on. Here we go. Um, in line with what we've heard from the, the DOJ about this issue to date. But I do wonder, what impact do you think this has or should have going forward when we're thinking about, now I, I know the midterms are right around the corner, 
But 2024 seems to be perpetually on the brain of so many people. I'm, it's likely on your brain as well. You are now a term-limited governor, um, well-respected. I'm wondering if you think this should have an impact on the viability of a potential Donald Trump re-election campaign, and, and does it have an impact on your own thoughts? Well, in the short term, you could almost give the attorney general the title of honorary campaign manager and fundraiser for Donald Trump. Clearly, uh, that is resorted to his uh, benefit in the short term. I think it's important that we keep the public interest in mind. The public interest is making sure that classified information, sensitive public documents are returned to archives, to their their protected environment. It's not appropriate for these documents to be running loose at Mar-a-Lago. That's not appropriate. That has to be returned and secured. And then this whole thing needs to be wrapped up. Unless there's something that is totally oblivious to uh, the facts that we know now, uh, this is... uh, not something that I see uh, leading to indictments. I don't see that what needs to be wrapped up, and I hope that can be uh, accomplished in the future uh, so we can get on with the uh, business of the country and, and get the documents restored. And I think that was the motivation of the Department of Justice, but who knows uh, whenever they have not uh, spoken clearly about it. You know, that is, um, and again, I, we, we can, um, we can certainly, you can certainly criticize, uh, that is not someone that I think that I would regard is, was trying to, um, throw the president under the bus. I want to go to, uh, let's see, Maggie Haberman. She's the writer for the New York Times. She said that President Trump's message to Merrick Garland was implicit threat of violence over the Mar-a-Lago raid. So that's a serious charge. Let me uh, hear this. Okay. Because right now, because his lawyer did, you know, this this purported back channel message to former president uh, to uh, to Merrick Garland. Right, Anderson, this uh, court filing, and I'm not a lawyer, but this court filing seems to have a lot of public relations elements to it, uh, less a defense strategy uh, or or any kind of a court strategy, and more about trying to sway public opinion. It is notable that he referenced that conversation uh, that uh, an intermediary had with Garland. That is, Caitlin said, a classic Donald Trump move where he starts trying to have a negotiation with a prosecutor, um, but there is also an implicit threat, it seems, in what he is saying, which is, well, people are angry, and, and who knows what will happen. Um, you know, for all of the reasons that were said here, Anderson, his argument, not only is it coming very late, but he's making an argument about privilege that is hard to see where it applies here. I think that everything they are doing right now is about basically a time buy, which is, is another classic Donald Trump strategy. And Maggie, what is the advantage? Why buy time? You know, that is... Um, because I, he doesn't tend to think in long-term strategy. He tends to think in terms of minute-to-minute. And, and I think that his folks were, I know, his folks were caught very off guard by this search warrant. They were very surprised by it. Now, there were a lot of discussions going on, one that included a subpoena, so they should not have been surprised that the government was trying to get these documents back. That was pretty clear from the subpoena. Um, but regardless, they were they were clearly surprised. They didn't realize that the case was going where it was going, and now they are sort of playing catch-up. And Donald Trump, I would note, it's interesting about how late this this court filing has come, however questionable it might be about privilege, because it's not a lawyer, it's not a law firm. When Michael Cohen's uh, home and office and hotel room were searched a couple of years ago in 2018, Trump moved very quickly to, to file a request for a special master, and that was one of his lawyers. So it does suggest they recognize this is not a clear standing issue. You know, that... Um uh, have a sense of what the former president's overall strategy is right now? Because his lawyers included, you know, this this purported back channel message to former president uh, to uh, to Merrick Garland. Right, Anderson. This uh, court filing, and I'm not a lawyer, but this court oh, okay. filing. Seems You've heard to have that. I'll, I'll say this, folks. I think one thing that is very clear, and it's 1:45. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. <sighs> One thing that seems, to me, it's clear, it's very unfortunate, but accurate, that the former president did not have the proper legal team in place 
to recognize where this was going, that they were kind of upping the ante, so to speak, and they needed to be more proactive. Now, again, there's so much we don't know, uh, but I, I think what you just heard is right, that they clearly did not understand the ramifications and in, in territory they were heading into and were not sophisticated enough to have a line of communication with those individuals in order to prevent it. So I'll be very curious to hear, we'll, we'll talk with our legal expert attorney Tim Dodd coming up on on Thursday, but I think at the very least we can all agree that if, if he was surprised that this happened, and it sure sounds like they were, that perhaps he didn't have the proper people who were guiding him as to the track that this seemed to be on. I think that's fair. Folks, right now, 147, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. And this portion of our program is brought to you by It's My Health. Hey, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. If you're on Menden Road right now, you could pop in and see Marie. Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products, ice, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products. It's my health because it's your health. Pop it and see them diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Pop in and see Marie. Now, I also want to remind you. Folks, it's so important that you defend yourself these days. And that's why I I implore you to visit our friend John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Firearms, accessories, arms for all skill levels, selection assistance, gun fitting, preparation ammo. He is so knowledgeable. Competition Shooting Supplies, they're open right now. He also posts new inventory gets on Facebook. Stop in and see our hero, our leader, John Francis, at Competition Shooting Supplies, my gun guy, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. How do you get there? You know, it's actually easy to get to. When you're traveling 95 north, you take the last exit in Rhode Island, which happens to be exit 2A. Think of that as in Second Amendment. You go past the Attleboro train station. You come up to the red light intersection of Newport Avenue and Benefit Street. You hang the left and then boom, sitting right there is competition shooting supplies. I recognize you might have different options, firearms, ammunition. If you're looking to sell some of the firearms you have, maybe you need to be a little more liquid right now. The place to go is competition shooting supplies. I know that you could sell it to him outright. You could sell it on consignment. I know of a lister just recently, their grandfather passed away. Grandfather had an extensive gun collection, I think over 20 pieces. And the new generation that inherited them, um, for whatever reason, didn't have any interest in it. So they brought them into John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies and I think made out pretty well with 20 firearms. Some very, you know, unique and rare. It doesn't have to be. But Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Well, folks, right now it's 1.50 and it is Tuesday. It is August 23rd, and you're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Uh, this portion of the program, by the way, visit the website, dipietro.com. We have another posting coming a little bit later, update you on things. Um, but it's brought to you by the Coesed Inn for a delicious meal, lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. The waiting field is a link on the website, which is depetro.com. You know, I know that some people, and, and it listen, the media is doing their job. 
and the media is getting information out about what was going on at Mar-a-Lago, what was going on about the raid, what was going on actually leading up to that. And one thing that seems very clear is the reporters working this story seemingly are far more plugged in than the attorneys that President Trump had working for him. And there's also, there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot going on here. Because you have the FBI, you have the Department of Justice, you have, there are people, we believe there are people cooperating and are informants with this investigation within the Trump circle. So there's a lot of different moving pieces. It's not a matter of it had to be person A, B, or C. There's a number of different people. They seem to be people that are, as they say, within the Trump orbit. So now, what was the mission of the government? What was the mission of the Justice Department and the FBI? Their mission seemed to be, seemingly, was to just get the documents back. That's what it seemed to be. And there seemed to be a lot more documents than people initially realized. So this had been building. This had been going on for months. You know, it it started apparently all of last year. They were trying to locate Missing documents. We don't know if they were told certain documents were destroyed, but they didn't have them and they were looking at them, looking for them. So now I also I can see where someone could say, well, you know, this is really bad. You know, what does it say that these things are missing? What did they wait? Well, it sounds like they were waiting to avoid exactly what happened here. That's what it sounds like. But this John Solomon letter, and I fully get that it's going a little inside here, but Trump kept more than 700 pages of classified documents. Folks, Mar-a-Lago, you have members in and out of that place with guests. It's, it's, it's a country club. It's a private club. Um, people dine there. They entertain there. That's, you know, there's, it, it, it's not outside of the, the realm of possibility that you know, Russian spies, Iran, North Korea, other bad actors could find out that those documents were there and then try to get possession of them. I think that's very possible. Um, President Trump took more than 700 pages, some related to the most coveted intelligence operations, to his club and residence when he left the White House in January 21. According to a letter they sent to his lawyers this year, the letter dated May 10th, Deborah Stendhal Wall was to one of Mr. Trump's lawyers, Evan Cochran, described the state of alarm in the Justice Department. Officials began to realize how serious the documents were. It also suggested the top Department prosecutors and members were delayed in conducting a damage assessment about the documents. As Trump lawyers tried to argue, some of them may have been protected by executive privilege. The lawyer was released on Monday night by John Solomon. I'm not a fan of. Who also serves as one of the former president's representatives to the archives. It was made public after President Trump's lawyers filed a legal motion asking a federal judge to appoint the special master. Weed out any documents protected by executive privilege. Now, various legal people have said they should have done that immediately. I think Jonathan Turley was on Fox and Friends saying they should have done it immediately. Laura Ingram seemed to be explaining to one of President Trump's attorneys live on the air how to do it. Um, Solomon appearing on Tuesday in a podcast run by Steve Bannon. I think I've sounded that. Tried to suggest the letter somehow implicated President Biden in the struggle over the classified documents. At one point, Walt told Cochran Biden had agreed with her and others the attempts to assert executive privilege were baseless. But the letter never indicated Biden was in charge of the decision, rejecting the claim of privilege. 
So I, what I don't like about that is that sounds like they're trying to run and spin here. In fact, the letter could further implicate President Trump in a potential crime. It confirmed, for instance, the former president kept at Mar-a-Lago documents related to special access programs. Some of the nation's most closely held secrets, even before the FBI searched the property. Search was part of an inquiry whether Mr. Trump had willfully retained highly sensitive national defense papers and obstructed a federal investigation. Letter also deepened the picture of the back and forth between the archives and President Trump's lawyers over how to handle getting the papers back. It described how archive officials had an ongoing communication with Trump representatives throughout last year that went missing from their files. Those communications resulted in them retrieving 15 boxes of materials in January. Others related to the special access programs. You know, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not like a, a fiction individual, so I, I don't. I mean, special access programs. That obviously sounds very serious. Um, but even after the archives got these records back, the letter said President Trump's lawyers, in consultation with the White House, asked for time to determine whether how many of the documents were protected by executive privilege, leading to negotiations that delayed the FBI, Justice Department, blah blah blah. Those negotiations continued through April, even as Wall alerted Trump's lawyers about the urgency of their request to see the documents, which touched on important national security interests. Ultimately, Wall rejected the claims of executive privilege, a decision that Biden deferred to, as she wrote, for alerting him, the question in this case is not a close one saying that the archives would soon hand the documents over to the FBI. Solomon's decision to release the letter did more than confirm he had kept some of the country's most highly guarded secrets in a relatively unsecured beachfront club in Florida. It also revealed that well before President Trump's lawyers argued in their court filing Monday that some of the records were protected, that the same argument had been rejected by the White House and a top official at the Justice Department. Court filing also appeared at times to make the argument that could ultimately harm President Trump. One long section of the the motion, President Trump voluntary assistance, was devoted to portraying President Trump having fully cooperated, but read in a slightly different manner. The facts laid out in the section could be construed as evidence he had obstructed the investigation into the documents. I'm telling you, I don't think, here's my final take on it, folks. I know it's 159. This portion of the program, brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop it and see them for a delicious meal. You can sit on the deck. I'm going to just leave it at this. I'll be back on the radio tomorrow at 11. I might be doing Facebook Live later. I'm not sure. But I will say this, that I think in, in, in like immediately he needs to get the best possible people working for him legally and it does not include john solomon and christina bobbitt listen stay dry on this tuesday wnri when socket